My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 126 of The Kate Show. Today, we are talking about something huge, something colossal, something that could very well change not just your business, but your life. We are talking about how you can use the knowledge that you already have in your brain, and you probably don't even realize how much you know if you're anything like today's guest. But we are going to be talking about how you can diversify your interior design firm. And honestly, this works even if you're not an interior designer, but we do, for sake of example, keep this focused on interior design. You can diversify your business, even in a pandemic or post-pandemic world, without offering e-design. Now, I've heard from a lot of you. Some of you say that you have always wanted to offer virtual services. Now is the time. And some of you even started offering this before the pandemic happened. But there are some of you who do not want to offer e-design, and that is okay, but I know that you feel pressured. You tell me that you feel pressured. After listening to today's interview with Maria Mustafa, you are going to have so many other options for sustainable, scalable income. This is huge, guys, okay? This is not about side door. I've talked about side door a lot, and it is still an amazing option. It's just not the only option. So today, we are talking about how you can diversify your income. It's not about pivoting anymore, guys. It's about diversifying. And this conversation with Maria turned into something much deeper than, than I was planning on. And I absolutely love it. I am so inspired just from talking to her. And you guys know that at this point in our post-pandemic world, it seems like everyone and their cousin have decided to add virtual interior design services to their design business. But for those of you who are just like, it's not for me, then this is the episode for you. You're really going to love my conversation with British business strategist Maria Mustafa because she's going to map out how interior designers can diversify their income without e-design. And this, it's a whole new world, guys. It's a whole new world, but there are a lot of business tactics and strategies that still apply. And Maria makes so many good points. The one thing I want to point out before you actually hear her on the interview is that she said you need to start diversifying your income when you're not in the middle of a crisis. So as you're coming back out of everything, things are opening back up, your business is hopefully booming again. And I've heard from a lot of you that that is the case. That's wonderful. That does not mean that you should not still diversify. You should actually find ways to diversify right now so that when something else happens, because this is life, nothing is perfect, other things are going to happen, you will then have a separate income stream to really sustain you and take away that fear and that just horrible sinking feeling you might get in your stomach if you know that another recession is coming or something else that you can't control. All right, enough from me, guys. Let's dive into today's conversation with Maria Mustafa. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Kate Show. I'm here with Maria, and we are going to talk all about strategizing your business, positioning yourself in such a way that you know how to respond 
when these unthinkable, unplanned, unexpected things happen. We can't control everything. I wish we could as business owners, but we just can't. So on that note, Maria, welcome to The Gate Show. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. I'm so glad we could make this happen. Now, when I first met you, we had a conversation around how you work with interior designers. And yeah. you said something to me that really stuck with me. And I just want to hit on it really quick before we dive into all the other questions. And that is, you said something about how the word pivot yeah. just rubs you the wrong way. Could you explain that? Yeah, I think it, it's because it, I think it started as a phrase in marketing. And then for some reason, because of, I think it's just because of the pandemic, we started to use that word to mean everything when we would just use the language you know I will just adapt to change or I would diversify my services or my look at enough industry to work in and we would use kind of normal language which is everyday language that we would use to describe how we want to change our business or change our services or, or look into another industry but pivot just seems to be the phrase and it's not a phrase that we've used it's not something I I recall us ever using before this time. So I just was like, why are we using this word to describe everything? Every single thing we're pivoting, pivoting, pivoting. So yeah, it just rubbed me up. It, did, it does, and it still does rub me up the wrong way. And it's quite telling that we don't use it any, we don't seem to be using it anymore. Yeah, I agree. It's really overused. It's kind of like the word hustle. I get so yes. tired of hearing that word. And before we dive in, I guess I should back way up and when people hear your voice, they obviously know you aren't from the United States, and no. that's awesome. I have a lot of listeners in England, so yeah. would you mind explaining to listeners, who are you, where are you, and how did you end up in the home industry? Okay, I'm a business strategist. I help entrepreneurial architects and interior designers just grow with less chaos, and I help them create better processes and systems, diversify their services, and just plan for their next steps and those next steps could be in six months, a year, two years, three years. So really looking far out long term in your business. And I started working as a project manager, working in, in rail and construction. So worked for national rail services and consultancies and construction companies. And it was mainly on refurbing stations as well as commercial and retail developments. And there were just refurbishment projects. And what I was lacking, what I wanted to really do was work on residential. So I started a business on the side as a project manager. And I just worked with homeowners and also property developers, just doing refurbs, doing, being almost being a client project manager managing architects and interior designers and builders and engineers on those projects for the client so basically just being client facing and I did that all the way up until probably just after the recession and I decided after the recession that I wanted to work in an online space but I didn't know how to do that I didn't know how to bring my services as a project manager working in construction and refurbishment into the online space so I worked with a, pro with a business coach to help me formulate, a, basically formulate a plan on how I could use all of my skills and, and all of my experience as a consultant and working in consultancy. How can I bring all of that into the online space? And so 
we went through everything, almost everything that I, I know, which I, I didn't realise at the time was quite a lot. And I did research as well. So I did research on the different elements. So when I kind of packaged up, you know, it's, for example, knowledge management, which is basically making sure you keep all the knowledge in your business when somebody leaves or somebody's off sick. Um, you're making sure that you're not losing all of that knowledge and experience. So that's what I thought people would want. And that's that's the part that I thought, oh, yeah, small businesses would really like that. And I, on my research, I actually found that, no, <laughs> it was important, but it was only larger businesses that would want that. So I um, I kind of changed. I don't use the word pivot. <laughs> I changed my outlook on what I wanted to sell to different business owners and I basically I changed it to be still project management working on processes and systems but I opened that up a little bit more so it was also because I also worked on as a strategic project manager I also had kind of business experience as well and how to set goals and develop a business plan and also make sure those implement the business plan and so I developed my services so that I could work originally I moved away from the construction industry and it was just because they I felt that they were quite slow to change and I really wanted to work with business owners who were who were were savvy who were you know who were going to get up and go and forward thinking and use the tech that was available to them and originally I started working with digital marketing companies as a business strategist and but what I thought was I enjoyed working with them but I actually had all this knowledge and all this experience and I just thought maybe there's a way that I can use that and work with like I said entrepreneurial architects and interior designers and I think I focused on them in particular was because they're from my perspective anyway they're more likely to embrace new technology and embrace new ways of working and so yeah so I focused on them and so I think I've been in property or construction for probably about 20 years now quite a long time showing my age (laughs) (laughs) well I mean the knowledge that you gain in two decades of working in a specific industry is just insane that there's no business degree that could even compare to that. And, you know, one thing, well, a couple things stood out to me that you just said, you didn't realize how much you knew. And so when you were working with a business coach, you realized, oh, I'm actually brilliant. You know, it's like, (laughs) I think that that's a struggle a lot of people have. They don't realize they do have all this knowledge built up just from being alive. Yeah. Yeah. So when you take all that knowledge and like you did, you kind of like bundled it up in nice little packages and then you found who your ideal client was and, you know, Mm. put the two together. Did that do anything for your confidence levels? I mean, were you already a confident person or when you started to realize just how much you knew, did you become even more confident? And I only ask because a lot of my listeners do struggle with a lack of confidence. Yeah, when I started working for the business coach, because I was thinking, oh, I only know how to do project management. And I had actually, when I went to see the business coach, I spoke to her. And at the time, I was thinking about being a launch manager. So that's helping people launch an online course. And I did a, a little course on that, an online course on that. 
and I worked with a couple of people helping them launch their their online course so and then when I went back to the business coach which was two years later she said I'm so glad at the time that you didn't we didn't actually work together because I think at the time you thought you could only be a launch manager and she said you know that is she said but you've got all this experience as uh, working consultancies you know at the time I'd worked with PwC as well I'd worked in software development I'd worked for a recruitment company in brand and marketing as a project manager I'd worked with a global team and so when we, she said, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that now we're going to work on a business that I think will be right for you. She said, you know, if you had done the, if I'd worked with you building a launch uh, management company, she said to me, I think you would have got bored because of all the knowledge that you've actually gained. So, and then when we went through my story, I didn't realize that, I, yeah, I, I do have a lot of experience and it did give me some confidence that actually I don't need to be because also I was thinking oh maybe I could like I could do be a virtual assistant or a project management virtual assistant or something like that but no I think it would have gone to waste I think it would have gone to waste oh I wholeheartedly agree and that whole concept is so interesting to me because there are some people and I've been guilty of this too like early on in my career I would try to build a business that I wasn't ready for in a sense that I would be like, all right, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, even though I don't quite know how to do them. And therefore, I'm going to start off in business feeling very lacking in confidence and feeling like my prices need to be so low because I truly feel that I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. But what you did was take that entire thing and flip it upside down, or maybe this is actually right side up, and you Mm. built a business that fit you like a glove. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that confidence that comes from that makes for a successful business. And yeah. I just have to point that out to my listeners because you know there's more than one way to have a design firm or a staging business. Yes. But if you're if you're doing it, and you you correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you're building your business in such a way that actually gives your inner critic a podium to say you're not that good at this yet, you don't really know mm. what you're doing. Um, that's going to come through in every possible way and damage that business and that person. I mean, right or wrong? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I think, and also you will you will build up a, a resentment as well because you know if you're in business for yourself, a lot of I mean, most people are from the people that I've come across that started their own business, they enjoy their bit. You know, even with the ups and downs, even when they're not making money and things are not going great there that resilience will keep them pushing on to find the client to find a way to expand their business or grow their business or change their business and they wouldn't go back to the nine to five they do enjoy having their business so you don't want to give yourself a kind of job if you see what I mean when you because you've basically built up resentment you feel like you're always changing because you're not enjoying it you just you know and also like you said it shines through on with the client as well they start to realize that perhaps they need to go with somebody else because you don't enjoy working with them or enjoy working with anybody perhaps mm-hmm. oh, what a vicious cycle so mm. basically it comes down to resentment versus resilience so which yes. one are you going to put into your business 
And, yeah. oh, that's such a good way to start off this conversation. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> so now to get to the main point, which I know a lot of the designers are like, okay, but what about all the pivoting that you don't like? Or what do we do yeah. instead of that? So yeah. about that, mm. I asked some of the designers in my Facebook group if they felt mm pressured at the beginning of the pandemic, especially to start offering virtual services, or if it was something they were actually excited to do, they've already been doing. And some people mm. were like, I'm happy to do it. I don't mind at all. Mm. But I have spoken with other designers, especially in the very uh, high end markets who are like, I mm. feel so pressured to offer these virtual services, but it does not feel like a good fit for my brand. It doesn't align. I feel mm. disjointed. I just feel like gross about it but I don't know how else to quote unquote pivot. So yeah. instead of saying pivot, I guess we should just say diversify. Yeah, diversify, that's the, yeah. To adapt to this change, you know, it's, it's a big change, but I think I'm not surprised that they feel pressured because one, I think it's almost seen as the only option that you can have. So in this pandemic, we've, we've locked down everything. We can't meet clients, we can't go anywhere. So therefore, and we've all moved online. So therefore, what do you do about your design business? You offer the virtual service and, e and however you call it was a virtual interior design or e-design service. So it appears to be the only way you can continue to have your business making money. So I'm not surprised that people feel pressured into having an e-design. E so, so did they, have they actually created a packages e-design packages yeah a lot of my clients have ended up doing that mm. and and some of them are okay with it some i know are doing it because everyone else is and they do feel it is the only way mm. so is that true though is it the only way what else could they do to diversify or adapt really weird situation yeah i mean i think i mean just coming back a little bit on you know because i know you said that some of they want to do the e-design and some don't want to do the e-design. I think part of that reason is because the e-design is really, one, it's designed for a different type of client. If you're a luxury brand or a high-end brand, it's a high touch. It's, it's a high touch, isn't it? Service. It's not, you know, an e-design is more the person wants to do most of it themselves. They're happy to do most of the work themselves, the client, and then they just want help bringing their ideas together. And I think if you're a high touch luxury brand, I just think it's unlikely to align with your brand and and how you operate and the clients you want to work with. So I think you can maybe you can work in a in a different way. So you can, for example, I mean some I was looking at some of the different ways. So for example, you could some coaching. So you're an interior designer, you are a luxury brand. And people might, other interior designers would want to work with you and find out about your knowledge. And just like I'm saying to you that we discovered that we've got much more knowledge than we actually thought we did. And so that's not just design, but it's actually business-wise. So if you are a design business, can you imagine how much experience that you have got? And that's, that is also something that you can probably start quite quickly. It's not, you don't have to go for e-design. You could probably do coaching or you could do workshops with, and you don't have to call them workshops. You can call them consultancy, but with other designers or also with, for example, you have people who are working at home who have not, you know, they've not got the space. They haven't been able to find a space that works for them. And so you can, you can also work with 
financial services or so another industry as well so financial services or you can work with so you can look at industries which are still doing well as well so financial services insurance companies pharmaceuticals healthcare some people also are going from commercial to residential so you don't have to even if it's an online service it doesn't have to be an e-design if you see what I mean it doesn't have to be e-design That is a really great idea and one that I honestly I never thought of because those markets that you just mentioned, especially healthcare right now, that's not going anywhere. I mean, obviously, it depends what industry you're normally in. If you're in residential and you're moving into commercial, maybe I don't know, maybe that might be a bit of a shock for you. But I don't think it's that much of a I don't think it's going to be that much of a change. But I think it's worth investigating rather than doing something that you don't want to do that doesn't align with what you want to do. But also when I say that you're looking at those industries, you can also look, for example, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. You can also look for individuals who might work in those industries who might want your services as a luxury brand rather than as an e-design because they will have money. They they they're not looking for e-design. They're looking for somebody to do the home consultancy. And I think what you'll have to do is you have to find ways of being able to implement some of the social distancing because it, and and also I suppose it's quite difficult because all the states and the countries, they have opened up in different ways. They've got kind of different rules. So it's almost like you have to do more work in terms of finding out what the social distancing rules will be for the place that, that you're going to, but still be able to serve them in a way which means that you're not doing, you're not having to do e-design or virtual design or however you want to market it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, it completely does. And mm-hmm. I think that just for a second, we need to have a conversation around the danger of adding services to your business that are misaligned with your brand because sometimes, well, I shouldn't say sometimes, often I see if someone is struggling in their business in this industry, they will simply go add more services to the point where they have so many different services that are just shooting out in every imaginable direction Mm -hmm. that it's hard to tell exactly what their specialty is. It's really hard Mm -hmm. to tell what they're good at. And what is the danger of that? What is the danger of saying, oh, e-design, got to hop on that wagon? Yeah, I think because also diversifying means that you can niche down a little bit more. You can go deeper into what you're good at. So, yeah, I don't think you need to spread yourself thin. I think be good at what you embrace, what you're good at. You don't need to, I do think there's temptation in trying this and trying that, trying this, that and the other. And it's confusing for your client the type of client that you're aiming your business at they don't understand it what you offer and also what price points and where do you go to do your marketing if you're if you're here and everywhere I think you get better at what you're doing not uh spread that's what I think Mm -hmm. and I would agree too from a marketing standpoint because otherwise if you have all these different types of services then you're going to have more than one ideal client. And that means you basically need a sales funnel for each ideal client. And suddenly you've taken your marketing tasks, doubled or tripled them or more. Yeah, your investment, your time. I think, I just think it's very confusing. You want to be able to say to your ideal client, this is what I do. And 
uh, because I prefer a specialist. I prefer somebody who specialised in a particular area rather than they're spread all over the place. I just personally don't think it's a, a good look if you're spread all over. It also looks like you're a little bit, what's the word, a little bit scatty. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you're not, so you've got your fingers in too many pies and you're not quite sure what's, you're, ju- you're just hoping something's going to work um, exactly. rather than focusing on, and, and also that's not to say that you can't have three, maybe three different things and you, but you get, you have to get good. You have to be good at those things. Mm-hmm. You have to be good. Yep. Man, I'm so glad you just said that because I actually had a past podcast episode where I talked about just narrowing down your services so that you have mm. only like three of them. <laughs> so yeah. oh, okay. we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> this is amazing. And that's some validation for me right there because you totally know what you're talking about. And I'm the first to admit, I still have imposter syndrome from time to time. Yeah. Oh, so do I. So <laughs> yeah. do I. So do I. Yeah, I think it's natural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just knowing how to manage it. And yeah. I do think that imposter syndrome is what makes people work from a place of paranoia. And they see Mm. something like the pandemic or even just a dip in the economy for some other reason. And they think, oh, no, I can't ride this out. I'm going to fail. I won't be able to feed my family. Now I've got to go do X, Y, Z. And then you're right. Mm. It confuses their audience and it actually deters high-end clients who would pay their high-end rates if they knew what the heck they were paying for because now they're confused. So, oh, what a messy situation. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to say, actually, I mean, it's something you kind of touched on. It's probably get to, but I just, uh, whilst it's in my head, (laughs) (laughs) I do think that, uh, I think one of the things that, and I don't think it's just interior designers and architects, I do think it's with a lot of small businesses, is the wait and see approach. You know, so for example, I am working with, or trying to kind of get a little bit of a message out there that okay, we've got, you know, we've had a lot of economists and we can see from our own eyes that there's a potential recession coming and we don't want to do a wait and see, right? So we've had this pandemic, we've opened up a little bit. Some interior designers and architects, they have seen a pickup in their business. Their clients are coming back, they're getting new orders. And so they've kind of left this potential recession, which is going to impact or as likely to impact on their business they've kind of left it because they focused on the work that they've got in now but actually there's also a need to plan for the future so okay so if you're gonna if you're thinking about diversifying your services don't wait until you're in it and you're reactive and you're panicked and your bills are coming in and your mortgage payment is coming in and you know, all of these payments are, you know, the wolves are knocking are at your door. You need to start planning whilst it's good. Um, how am I going to, because that is when you find yourself doing stuff that you don't want to do or having a service that you don't, that you're not passionate about. So it is about also planning ahead how I'm going to diversify my service so that it aligns with my brand, it aligns with who I am and what I'm about. How do I do that? So if there's anything that someone takes away from this, it's don't wait until something is upon you when you can see that it's on the horizon. Mm, That is such a good idea because in business, I mean, we are told to plan ahead, but not in this Mm. way. This is something that we need to hear more about. It's not Mm. just about having a savings account for your business. It's about having, it's not about a backup plan either. 
You know, it's no. something that you do rain or shine offering the coaching, the consulting, the workshops. Yeah. Now, if somebody listening is like, okay, I like this. I don't like e-design. Let's say they take e-design off their website. Good riddance to that. Mm. How do they then figure out how they can start coaching? Because it kind of goes back to, they might not know or realize how much they know. So how do yeah. they start to really pull out all their knowledge and like put it on paper so they can really see, oh, wow, you know, I really, I am a smart person. And how can yeah. they then package it? So basically, how do they go through exactly what you went through all those years ago? Yeah, so I mean, what I did was, and I wanted, in fact, what I do, this is, is something I also do with my clients, is I have a brainstorming session. So because, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about coaching, but for someone might have a, a skill set or something they've wanted to do that relates to their business, but they haven't yet really developed it. So, for example, they might want to design furniture or lighting or, or those types of things, which... I might not immediately think of, but it's been something that's brewing, brewing in their head for a little while and it's been put off because they were busy or, or whatever the reason is. So it's about, first of all, brainstorming all your ideas, all the things that you've always wanted to do in your business. And some of the ideas that, you know, I've talked about a workshop or coaching for, for other interior designers, but also for uh, workshops for maybe, so you could do, for example, where we're talking about changing the office space. So when we, you know, quote unquote, go back to normal, we think that the office space is going to be changed. So people are not going to be using the commercial space in the way that they used to use it before. So you could offer yourself as a consultant on different design options that a company might want a consultant to come in and just think of different options for designing this space for their office and their staff so that they can have flexi work or remote working or, or whatever it is. So it could be things like that. So it's about sitting down and just having a brainstorming session. First of all, thinking about the landscape of what it's going to be like in the next two months, three months or whatever it is. And then once you've done that and you've come, sometimes you won't come up with a lot of ideas. So, you know, don't kick yourself if you're only coming up with two or three ideas. The point is, the next step is you do research. So you're researching the cost, the time, how long it's going to take. You know, if you get it up and running, how long, how much is it going to cost to maintain it, who you need to speak to, where you need to go, all of these different things. And also how long it will take for you to bring this plan to fruition. So, you know, you might just have two or three ideas on that, but it's about doing some research. and. You're also doing market research to make sure that what you're offering is actually what somebody is willing to buy. So there's no point in saying, okay, I'm going to design, I'm going to offer, I'm going to have a specialist service in home offices, and then no one wants to buy it. So <laughs> should have seen what I mean. So mm-hmm. it's all, all the business coaching and there's nobody that wants interior designers that want business coaching or I mean there there is but let's you know just for example or or workshops what type of workshops will you offer um you need to speak to your the target market or you know you do marketing so you you know this this part of you know finding out what your target market wants and how you can package that up so it's about asking them to see if what you're offering is is actually what somebody wants. So go through those stages, first of all, 
and then you can start building it out but don't build it out until you until you've done the research Mm-hmm. Oh, amen to that. Because there are people, including myself, especially back in the day, I would brainstorm something and then I would skip the research portion because that's boring. You know, like, why do you want to do that? And then I just go throw something up on my website and wonder why it didn't work. And like, personally, that's why I struggled so much the first two years of business, because mm. there was there was no strategy. There was no research. There was no plan. There was no concrete goal. And I know I'm not alone in that. So yeah, yeah. step one, brainstorm. Step two, research. And then step yeah. three, research some more. It's important. <laughs> yeah, 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 basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> research, research, research. Because I, otherwise yeah. there's no point, you know, otherwise you're, you know, I, I spoke to a budding interior designer. She, she wanted to do home offices. I just, it was just, have you spoken to anybody? Just my friends. But your friends will always say, Yes, yes, I love it. It's great. Yeah, they will. (laughs) Okay, guys, we need to hold on for just a minute because I have a really important question to ask you. How are you planning to grow your business this year? Do you have a plan for getting new clients? Do you panic when your word of mouth referral sources dry up? It's time to take a proactive approach to growing your business with the Window Coverings Association of America. The WCAA specializes in helping upholsterers, window treatment workrooms, and interior designers build businesses that last. They offer ongoing education on topics such as business, profitability, marketing, window treatment design, upholstery techniques, and more. If you want a business that can withstand the economic ups and downs and still support your family, you need the WCAA. Go to WCAA.org to learn more about becoming a member. And P.S. to everyone else listening who might want to partner with or advertise with the WCAA. There's a place for you too. Go to WCAA.org and click on the Industry Partners page. It's important to ask the right people. Is there a certain number of people that they should be asking because, you know, there are some people who want everyone's opinion. Like they will go ask their next door neighbor. They will go ask a business coach. Then they'll also go ask their spouse and their adult children. And then they'll get all these conflicting opinions and then they'll just be frozen. So how do you go about that portion of the research, the portion of validating the idea? So there are a few ways. So I won't take credit for this because I found it out from another coach. So she, what she talks about is basically Googling, Googling the idea on Amazon and Udemy. And if they are Amazon courses, oh, sorry, Amazon books on your idea and read the reviews to see what the, the issues were with the book and some of the ideas, uh, you can use that as an initial start of, okay, uh, let me continue this. If there's nothing on Amazon, nothing on Udemy, then there's a possibility that nobody wants what you're selling. But I think the next one, the next step is, and it's what I did for my business, is to ask my target market. My target market was LinkedIn. And I asked small businesses about the knowledge management, consultancy, if they would want what I was offering and I also asked bigger companies as well just because I was curious and it turned out that actually the bigger companies would want my services for them it would be a priority and not smaller companies
companies and I wanted to work with smaller companies. So it's really important that you're asking your target market and not your friend, not your family members. It's got to be a stranger. And I would say if you can do interviews, those are much better than surveys because surveys, people will just give you one word answers. They're also kind of almost self-selecting. Only certain people, certain types of people would use, would answer surveys. So you really want interviews. Uh, and interviews are hard to get because people don't want to give up their time. So if you can offer something like I offered a consultancy, an hour consultancy for free, a strategy session for free. But if you can offer something for free or, or, you know, make it worth their while for them to, but not, but not money, <laughs> to offer money because you want their, you want their genuine opinion on your service, how much they will pay for it. You know, priority as well, priority of that service. So again, coming back to myself, when I did my research, it wasn't that they thought that knowledge management wasn't important. It just was probably like third or fourth, fifth thing on their list. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't pay for it. So you're asking your target market. So it is, you're going to wherever your target market is and you're asking them. And like I said, interviews are good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense because the goal would be, at least from my perspective, to position yourself in such a way that your target client needs you even in the middle of a crisis, even in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. because then yeah. that income stream is sustainable where maybe if, you know the other income streams have to be on pause, you know, if we're in yeah. self-quarantine or something. And that's just smart. And that's what I've seen a lot with coaches and just people in the educational realm like any career can turn into an educational one you know yeah like you can teach people business you can teach people interior design business from your perspective and there's actually one interior designer i'm thinking of right now she's here in the u.s and a lot of my listeners will know um, sarah lynn brennan like she is rising to the top very quickly she's a client of mine and she offers coaching and that's pretty, it's pretty well known at this point. Um, but it's interesting how, uh, you know, she's doing very well for herself. And what you basically did, you know, in this conversation so far is kind of like pull back the curtain on how someone like that gets to where they are. Because yeah. that is, it's not e-design. You know, it's not following the crowd. No, no, no. And, and it is about, because I do think sometimes, you know, I think when we start our businesses, the business side of the business can be quite can be difficult to get a grasp on and what we're supposed to be doing and what we're supposed to be looking at as well as actually doing the job the client work that we that we we set up our business to do so if you're a coach you can you're almost helping people and particularly with finances as well how do you manage your finances in your business if some, if that's something that you're good at doing you're good at the business side of the the business then you know I think it is a it is a good a good way to to help bud in and interior designers and also don't think that you can't there are no new interior designers starting in a pandemic or starting in a recession in fact there probably will be because some you know if you look at the last recession 2008 a lot of businesses did start in the recession because they were made redundant. They got redundancy money. Oh, hey, you know, I can start. I'm going to start my business now. So 
don't think that because it's a pandemic, because there's a recession, because there's a downturn, that you can't find a client that's willing to spend money on your service. Mm -hmm. Oh, good point. Because, and I've heard this said many times before, some of the best businesses today were started in the worst of times. So we can't really use our situation as an excuse. I don't think people mean to find excuses for themselves. I think maybe it's a lack of confidence, but for some people, it, it they are straight up looking for excuses. Like, well, I can't do it now because yeah. of this. It's like, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, you can do it now. Yeah, I think, and also I think, I think there's almost two prongs to it. There, there is a, because I know when the pandemic happened, probably just after the lockdown, a lot of people were frozen. So they were just frozen and they remained frozen for a long time. And I think sometimes that's, that's what it is. People are confused, that they are worried. And that's why I say don't wait until, I mean, also this, this is a, a unique situation in that we, we've never locked down the whole world before like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or not that I know of anyway, but there will, in general, there is, there is going to be a downturn there is going to be situations that are going to affect our economy. And so you still have to plan for, and and I'm not saying you go into detail with the plan, where you plan every single thing, but you have a plan in terms of, and again, I come back to the example of, you know, you want to design furniture, because I know a lot of designers, they want to design their own furniture. So if you're thinking, oh, I want to, I would like to design my own furniture, don't wait until, and you're busy now. Let's just say you've got your clients now, you're busy now. You need to make the time to be able to plan because then when the recession happens and then you don't have the client or or the client's budgets are on hold, you want to be able to at least be in the launch of your your furniture business. And so I think sometimes there is a there is a case of, you know, I don't have the time. There is that kind of confusion or frozenness or it can sometimes it is a lack of confidence. It's a I can't. I won't be able to do that because I don't, so I can't do, I can't be a business coach because I've only been in business for, for three years. So what would I know about business? Or, you know, because I, you know, I was quite similar in that. I was like, until I spoke to my business coach, I was like, oh, but why would I be a consultant for, you know, I've been a project manager all of this time. And she said, but you've mainly worked for consultancy. <laughs> you've mainly worked for consultancy you've worked for pwc you've worked as a strategic business project manager why couldn't you be a consultant Mm -hmm. so it sometimes it does take somebody to point it out where you do have experience you do have knowledge and you can impart some of that onto somebody else that might be lacking yeah Absolutely. I think it that's a really important question to ask. Instead of saying, here's why I can't, it's more like, well, why not? Like, yeah. why not? Like, what would happen if, if you did that thing that you've wanted yeah. to do and it aligns with your brand? It could yeah. end up being like one of the best things they ever do in their entire career or exactly. their entire life, you know? So it's exactly. just, uh, it's inspiring. It kind of gives me chills because as an entrepreneur myself, I love starting new things. I love starting the right new thing. And when you yeah. hit on that idea, and you research it and you find out that it fills a need in the market. Yeah. That's how businesses will explode. Like not overnight. I don't believe in overnight no, successes, no. but filling a need, a gap in the market, it can be something so simple. And you might think, well, why hasn't anyone ever done this before? Well, because mm. it was waiting for you, but you have yeah. to grab that opportunity. Now, I know that a lot of people are going to be 
getting ramped up right about now. They're going to be getting excited. Okay, like, what do I do next? I need some direction because otherwise they're going to be bouncing off the walls with all these ideas. So if they want to start working, consulting with you, how do you work with your clients and what can they do to get started with you? So I always start, I mean, this is what I enjoy the most. I actually enjoy the brainstorming session. (laughs) So I always, you know, when I start working with a client, if they do have, some people will have a set idea of how they, of what they want to do. So I want to do business coaching. I want to do, you know, I want to diversify my service by doing this. And they have a firm idea and we develop a plan and a strategy of how how that's going to work. So we do the research of how long, how much money, how long it's going to take, how much money is it going to take to maintain it, the resources that you're going to need and how long it will take to actually launch it. And if it's feasible as well, if it's a feasible idea for you to do and and do the market research and build that strategy out, the plan. And if, and if they want, I also help them implement it. But some people, they've got, they, they don't know where to start. They're like, I have got so many ideas swimming around in my head. How do we start? So I always start with a brainstorming session with those, those types of people. Because also with that, they have those ideas. But I also, I do some research based on the information that they've given me beforehand. I also explore some possibilities as well. So when I worked with an interior architect, we did a brainstorming session. And one of the things I, I looked at for her, because she was also, in, you know, obviously thinking about ways to make money in this pandemic, was that I said that obviously in, you know, I know this is a global pandemic, but actually the way that we've all responded, countries have responded have been different. And the way that they've opened up is different. So for example, what I said was in Barbados, they are still, although their, their projects came to a hold, they opened up quite quickly and they do work with interior designers. So property developers do work with interior designers in the US, the UK and Canada because they work, they do developments for expats. So that was an idea that I gave to her that if she wanted to pursue, and, and it was remote as well, so she didn't have to go there. She, you know, obviously I would go to Barbados, but she'd have... Well, of course. She'd, <laughs> yeah, she'd, you know, she couldn't or didn't want to. She didn't have to, but it's a way that... It's ideas that maybe you haven't thought of just yet. So I do research as well, and I do a brainstorming session. And then with some people, they can go ahead and they're happy to leave me and go off on their own but others will continue on and will formulate a plan together um and we will do the research I, I will do the research it's almost like I suppose it's it's the way that interior designers work as well so you know they have that design consultancy uh, at the beginning you know and then you know they have the speak to the client about their ideas bring it together uh do the planning research and then if they want, I can implement it again. And it can be as hands-on or hands-off as, as, as they want from me. Yeah. I really like that you help with the research and the implementation because I do know that that must be fairly unique to you. And maybe I'm wrong, but what I've seen from a lot of other coaches is they will help you all day long with the brainstorming. But when it comes to actually doing the work, maybe that, that's just not in their wheelhouse. So the fact that you are then like, okay, now we're going to put the plan into action. We're going to turn the dream into an actual goal, 
with the steps to yeah. to get there. Yeah. That is gold. That's absolute gold for a business owner. And I can just imagine the weight that takes off their shoulders to know that they're not doing this alone. Yeah, I mean, I originally I wasn't going to offer implementation and I don't offer it as part of the package. I tend to offer consultancy packages and then I offer the implementation almost separately because one, because I, I, whilst I do think it's actually important, don't do the plan and research and spend that money on the consultancy. I personally, I don't think you should spend money on the consultancy if you're not going to implement what you've, what you've done all that work for because it's, it's your time, it's your resources, and then it's just going to get pushed and pushed to one side. I think you should implement it and implement it whilst you're excited about it as well. So I offer it separately because I, it's for different, it's, some people want you to just do it. So here's the plan, please, Maria, just implement it. And I will, uh, you know, obviously I'll attend the meetings and, you know, we'll collaborate in that way. But, you know, I'd like you to lead on that implementation. Some people will have staff within their business who they can, who can manage that. And that, that I might just be somebody who gives them support, like phone support or Zoom support and kind of almost, uh, okay, we did, uh, you know, kind of an accountability person as well. Did mm-hmm. you do that? Did you do that? okay, let's get do this by this time. So that's why I offer it almost as a separate. Uh, and some people just want to implement it. They just want, they've got a project manager and they will just imp- implement it. But I have to admit, that's very rare. Usually they want you to implement it because they're a small business. Small mm-hmm. businesses want you to implement. Yeah, I can totally see that. Mm. So how then can people best connect with you? I know you said oh. you're really active on LinkedIn. And oh, what, yeah. What's the best way? Yeah, so LinkedIn is the best way. I am on there I, because also the, the reason I was, I'm on there is because I have my with with LinkedIn. I've got recommend, my recommendations, my testimonials on there as well. You can see, you can obviously see who I've worked with, and then uh, I've got videos on there, and then also I I try and put as much information on there as possible and share as much information. I think LinkedIn is is a great source of information. So I'm on there, and so you can find me. Uh, you, there's not a lot of Maria Mustafas. <laughs> yep. so it's just Maria Mustafa, and it's spelled M-U-S-T-A-P-H-A. And if you're not on LinkedIn, which I know a lot of people are not, I am on Instagram as well. So that's Maria underscore Mustafa underscore. So you can also find me on Instagram as well. Perfect. And we're going to link to both of those places in the show mm-hmm. notes. That way everyone can easily find and connect with you. And Maria, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I think your oh, knowledge has you. just been so valuable. Yeah, thank you. It's been lovely speaking to you. Well, have a wonderful and a safe week over there in England. You're in yes. London, is that right? I am. I'm in London, yes. Oh, awesome. That's on my list of places that I want to go when we can all travel safely oh, and normally. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. But all right, it has been wonderful speaking with you and stay on the line. We are going to be right back. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.